Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. We have been uh, looking into our covenant series, as Pastor Nick said, right at the beginning of our service. Uh, we're, we're kind of wrapping things up tonight, trying to draw it all together a little bit for you. If it is that you've missed any of those things, then please jump online and, uh, and, and download the podcast, the messages, the other sorts of things that are there, as well as the daily devotions, life group studies. Everything's there for you to be able to pull this together. So if you've missed anything, you can go back and find it and listen to it and, and join in with what we believe is a significant moment in time for us as a church and what God has been doing in each of our hearts. The more I look at Jesus, the more I realize he's just the best leader the world has ever seen. I mean, whether you're a follower of his or not, history has proven and shown that he is just one incredible leader. Thousands of years ago, he took just a a small band of, of really ordinary people and invested in his life into them and and then gave them the empowerment of his Holy Spirit and a vision to live for that today has turned out to be millions and millions upon people still living out the vision of Jesus. And that vision he'd set up was passed into them. The one that describes in scripture like this, it's a vision of of allowing us to come into relationship with God. It's a vision that, that brings us into a covenant relationship with Father God and then brings us into a love for one another. It brings us into the vision of a people that he can call his own that would seriously die to self so that he can take a hold of us and display his glory and his goodness through us to the rest of the world, the church. And we get to partake in this covenant community that he has set up. God's covenant relationship with us is because of Jesus and we live under and for this covenant, a new covenant in him, Jesus. He described his vision to mostly his disciples and his followers in a few different ways. In Mark chapter 1, he said, The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe. There's another passage we find in Luke chapter 18 and 19, and Jesus is actually reflecting on a prophecy that was said hundreds of years beforehand, where he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to be able to preach the good news to the poor that the captives might be set free, that the blind might receive their sight. He says that, uh, that there would be the year of the Lord's favour would come through him. And he passed the same mission to his followers who in turn have passed it onto the church at large when he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And earlier on, where we see him taking and sending out the disciples, 
He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, freely you've received, now freely give. And I sometimes think, how amazing was it that the early church caught a hold of this vision and ran with it because it was so hard for them. I mean, you've got to understand they worshipped underground because of the persecution from both sides, from a, a Roman Empire that wanted to squash out what they saw as a Jewish sect that had started, and the Jewish leaders wanted to wipe them out because they were, in their eyes, a Jewish sect. Persecuted, held down, yet they gave all for this vision they bought so hard into the vision of Jesus that they committed to that vision that today we stand on their shoulders. And I just wonder sometimes would it be the same now that today as a, a people of God that's grown into millions and millions of people who are following the same vision, I just wonder, I wonder if today they could say the same thing about us. If the next generation that comes along are going to stand on our shoulders because we believe so hardcore and we're so sold out for the vision of Jesus, that they'd stand on our shoulders and go the next step. We're so blessed to live in 2,000 years of church history where people have stood before us for this vision. The vision of God to, to reach the world and they have been relentless about doing it. When you look back at some of those early missionaries who went to take the good news of Jesus to far and wide places, they got on sailing ships and they packed everything that they wanted to take with them inside the coffin they knew they were going to be buried in. There was no return. They didn't pack a bag so that they could get the next flight back if it got a little too hard. They sold out for the vision of Jesus and were prepared to give absolutely everything to see it come to pass. And the vision of Jesus, the vision of walking in this new covenant is something that we've tried to reflect in the, the vision of our own church because it's not the vision of a particular local church, it's the vision of Jesus for the church. And we describe it like this, we say we're a family embracing the Father's presence releasing an empowered people who will declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. What would it look like if that became manifest? An outpouring of love and acceptance and forgiveness flowing in and out of a community here at River Life. Can you imagine what it would look like as a flood of God's grace and mercy and love that sent him to the cross was the same thing that would flood out of us these rivers of living water that he promised that the world so desperately needs. When we commissioned this church facility, when we stood at its grand opening, we stood at the, the doors and we didn't back out into the, the car park to be able to cut a ribbon to enter in. We stood in the foyer and we cut a ribbon so that we go out. Because that's the sort of church that Jesus wants us to be about. The vision 
of Jesus was that we would be a people of God empowered by his spirit to go and declare and to be able to demonstrate that his kingdom is here. The reality of it to come near to people so that they might experience the kingdom for themselves, that they might be introduced to the king and they might bow their own knee. When we came into relationship with Jesus through the confession of our sin and the surrendering of our lives to his lordship, on that day, if that's something that you've done, you know it or not, that's, you committed yourself to his vision. Because on that day where you said, I need the forgiveness of my sin and I place you in charge of my life, at that moment, you gave up the authority to run your own life and you handed it back to the creator of the universe. Now, I know we all walk in the tension and the struggle of kind of wanting to take that, that position back. I'd like to be in control. I'd like to do it my way. But honestly, if we're to call ourselves followers of Christ, then that's what we do. We follow. He doesn't follow us. We follow him. We follow him in the vision that he had for the world, and we get to be a part of it. A godly vision, a powerful commitment to it, it releases within us an abundant life. When you enter into this relationship with God, there's an infilling in your life by the Holy Spirit that would give you such a passion to live out his vision and be his source of encouragement to the lost and to the needy. To be that kingdom of God, to bring the the miraculous, to bring what people are hungering and thirsting after in a lost and needy world. And it's the very thing if we're sold out to his vision, that should determine and define every aspect of our lives, our priorities, our purpose, our identity, our families, our relationships, our marriages, our finances, our education, our career paths, our material possessions, everything is surrendered. And we want you to partner in our church's vision because our church's vision is not a man-made vision. Our church's vision is the vision of Jesus. It's the vision that's been released in the word of God that every church is responsible throughout the world of being a part of. And we believe that we are entering into this covenant with our Father God through Jesus and what he has done, brings us into covenant love and relationship with one another. Where we've been talking over the last number of weeks and want to present to you the opportunity for you to commit yourself to being present both here physically by being present as often as you possibly can be so that you can be present in his presence being transformed and touched and changed moment by moment as we gather together and god uses you to bless somebody else that we commit to being fully surrendered in every aspect of our lives that we would have a surrendered heart, a new heart, a soft heart that is willing to yield to the ways of God in every aspect of our lives. That we'd commit to being a radically generous people where we understand that the first belongs to God and God is always first. These are the people we want to be. And we can't sit back and say, 
I wonder what the church is doing about that. I wonder what the church is doing about the vision of Jesus. I wonder what the church is doing with their vision statement. Are they actually getting on with it? Because if, you, if you're part of the kingdom and you call this your local family within the kingdom, you are the church. The church is not a building. The church is not a facility. The church is not just a gathering point. The church is you gathered together here and now and scattered throughout the city for the rest of the week. We're the church. And so we have to take a long, hard look at ourselves to go, am I reflecting the vision of Jesus? Because I can't point fingers at leadership or to somebody else or to someone who, who looks like they're fired up and ready to go and I'll let them do the job because you're part of the church. Any people who commit unreservedly to a vision become incredibly powerful. Jesus invited people to come and follow him. But he also laid out very carefully what he was going to do and the conditions necessary for fellowship. My kids are going through those stages where their taste buds are changing. Some foods that were unpalatable to them when they were younger are now the food I want to keep to myself. <laughs> I had some beautiful truffle dip the other day. And when I came back to it, nearly all of it had gone. And I'm like, who's eating my truffle dip? Your kids aren't supposed to like truffles at your age. They're developing an adult palate. Have you ever heard someone say to you, oh yeah, you just haven't woken your adult flavors up yet. You just haven't got that yet. I wanna say, I think we're in a, a season where God's awaking us to understand that there's, there's an adult decision we need to enter into and make. And it doesn't matter whether you're 15 or whether you're 55, it still requires the same step of obedience. There's this passage in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus is being pressured by the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and they're asking him for another sign. And he goes, I don't want to give you guys another sign. You're not even interested, really. I have no idea. And he turns around to his disciples and he says, who do they say the Son of Man is? And the disciples pipe up and say, well, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say some of the other prophets. And he looks at Peter and he says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the son of God, you're the Messiah. And he goes, Peter, you've just heard from heaven. That's not the wisdom of man, but God himself has given you the answer to what you just said. And then Jesus starts to unpack and tell him. And he gathers these disciples and he tries to describe what this Messiah is going to do. And it's totally countercultural to what they understand. For all the writings of the Old Testament are waiting for this Messiah, a person to come, both a king and a priest, God's leader of his people, who would come and set things right. Generation after generation, 
From the time they left Egypt right up until the time Jesus came, they're finding themselves continually going in and out of exile and other places with other people ruling over them. And now here they are with the Romans ruling right over the top of them. And when they hear the word Messiah and they hear Jesus say to Peter, you're right, I am the Messiah. They're thinking, great, we're finally going to have our kingdom. We're going to kick these Romans out. We're going to politically take over. This is going to be the, the, the culmination of all the spiritual prophecies that have been. And this is just going to be so good. And Jesus starts to describe to them the sort of Messiah that he is. And he says to them, oh, well, I'm going to be persecuted and I'm going to suffer. And then they're going to kill me. Then they're going to bury me. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And they're like, what? He says, I'm going to be persecuted, I'm going to suffer. It's part of the vision. But then I'm going to die. And it's part of the vision. And then I'm going to be raised to new life. And it's part of the vision. And Peter grabs Jesus and he says, Jesus, why don't we just open this way a little bit. Jesus, that's not the kind of Messiah we want. I don't know about you, but when I read the Old Testament, I don't know if you've learnt these parts, but this is the part where we're supposed to take over, right? And you're not going to die. You're going to lead us into victory. Come on, bro. Let's, let's change our thought on that. and Let's go back and stir the team up. And Jesus says, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You see, they weren't really listening. Part of the vision is that I'll suffer. Part of the vision is I'll die. And part of the vision is I'll be raised to life. And when Jesus then calls them together after Peter puts his foot in it, he says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. You need to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow. And in doing so, you'll be raised to new life. It's like getting your taste buds used to something adult. You mean I have to die to self? I deny myself? I'm taught from the time that I'm born to grab everything for myself, to go after all that I can. I can be anything I want to be. If I work hard enough, if I study hard enough, if I get the right break, I can do anything. And you're asking me to deny myself? Take up my cross? and follow you and Jesus says that's part of the vision because I'm going to suffer I'll be persecuted I'll die and then I'm going to rise to new life a godly vision and a powerful commitment to it releases to us an abundant life
It doesn't make sense in the world, but nothing of the kingdom ever makes sense from the world's point of view. Die to self, live for him, follow him, and you'll have the abundant life. The one he promises. The one that makes sense to you when you follow after him, regardless of what comes your way. You see, we're not asking you to commit to the vision of a, 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 a guy or a man or anything of this church. The vision that Christ had for his church, that's a lordship issue. When we enthusiastically commit to being in this covenant community, when we faithfully commit to it in service, our giftings develop, we're used mightily, and we become something special in the hand of God. We find the abundant life, the life we're created to have, the life he desires for it, and it's not always going to be easy. Who knows it's always easier to commit than it is to live it out? It's always easier to commit. A good mate of mine, quite a number of years ago, said, let's do a half marathon. I said, that'd be great. Let's do it. And what I was thinking. I don't know. Look at this body. I know most of you are thinking, yeah, six foot one of pure muscle. This body fluctuates, I can tell you. Fluctuates between a morning body, of which I suck it in, so I've still got it. And an evening body where it kind of all hangs out, somewhere in between the ranges of 90 kilograms to 102. <laughs> this body was not, it was not 110. This body does not run well after 100 meters. And so we started training. Now, those of you, like my wife, who've run ultra marathons and real marathons, are kind of, kind of laughing a little bit at a half marathon runner. But it's not easy. And so I decided to do what I knew best. I, I, my first degree was a Bachelor of Human Movement Studies. I, I knew all the physiology, I knew the now I started to research. I'm gonna do a training program, that's what I'm gonna do. Man, that was so hard. Getting up another day to run another however many kilometers. And that's not the end of it. This is all before the race. I did learn this one tip. When you run with someone faster, you, you be the first person to ask a question. Particularly at the bottom of a hill. Ask an in-depth personal question that requires them to talk while you just concentrate on running. <laughs> and breathing. Anyway, we got to the race. And... <laughs> He basically dragged me around. We wanted to do it and I wanted to do it in under two hours, you know. And so I, we just, he basically dragged me over that line. He was times he was going, come on, Robert, you can do it. And there's times where you feel like, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I want to. No one will know. I'll just drop off the side here and on the second lap, I'll, I'll just jump back in. If I really want one of those medals and a t-shirt, I might as well just jump someone after the race and take theirs. <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of things that go running through your head. The worst part is when you think you're running really fast and someone passes you walking. <laughs> and they look like a keg with legs. I mean, they, it's, it's terrible. We all feel like at some stage it's too hard. I've committed, how do I finish? 
God knew that sometimes we go through times where our vision fades, where the vision of Jesus just feels like, well, that's out of touch. I can't get there. We've got nothing left to give. The flame of our vision begins to dim and passion begins to, to ease off and the heat begins to cool down. And, and strangely enough, the Bible has something to say about it. Timothy's a young protege of the Apostle Paul and he gets sent to this church in Ephesus, a church where everyone's older than him. They want to listen to this young upstart. He's a little bit timid. He's a little bit shy. He's been suffering a lot of illness. He's just like, I don't know what, this is crazy. He's got stomach ailments. In the meantime, his beloved mentor, the Apostle Paul's in prison saying, you can do it. And he's thinking, this is the vision. This is what it's going to take. And so Paul writes these words to him in 2 Timothy. He says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. This is covenant community at its best. The vision's lacking. The heat's gone out. And Paul comes all the way from prison, sending a letter to fan the flame back into his young protege. Don't forget the vision. Remember, it's not ours, it's Jesus's. We've committed. It's in your heritage. There's those who have loved. Now, now it's your turn. There's going to be people after us who will want to stand on our shoulders. Don't let the passion drop off for the next generation. We can't afford to do it. Yes, it's going to hurt. Yes, you're going to have to sacrifice, but hang in there. Hang in there. Keep it going. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He's not saying, just tough it out. You can do it all by yourself. He says, lean hard on the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit who is within you. Endure hardship like a good soldier. And all of a sudden, Paul takes it from a family conversation to, son, you're in the army. The army of Jesus and endure the hardship you're going through like a good soldier. Come on, buckle up. Get ready. A generation's depending on us. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. The excitement. The enthusiasm wasn't there. Somewhere between his bad health, the discouragement about all that was happening in Ephesus and his fear of Paul's own life, Timothy's vision had slipped away. The vision of Jesus had just dissipated. You see, there's always tension between our vision and the way things are. Can you just grab me that? There's always tension between vision and the way things are. I tell people who are a little pessimistic, you're wearing your gravity boots. 
That's the status quo. That's what's happening down there. And vision's like a rubber band. Vision is the tension we feel. And in the tension of vision, it can pull one of two ways. It can keep you grounded in the status quo. Or you can let the tension of it pull you up to take the next step of faith. Let the tension of the vision lift you up to take another step. Let the tension of the vision lift you up to take another step forward. Because every time we take a step forward and we do so for the vision of Jesus and of his church and to live it out in covenant with him and with one another, we're taking another step that another generation will one day stand on our shoulders. That's the vision. And I believe God wants to pull us closer to living out this covenant community. God wants a congregation of renewed vision for partnering in covenant community with one another, in worship to be present and hungry for his presence, in living surrendered lives, partnering together in pastoral care and loving one another in service and in ministry and outreach, in being radically generous so that we would never lack the resources to fulfill the vision that Jesus had. And he calls us to let the tension between the vision and the way things are stretch us and pull us and excite us and motivate us to action. This type of commitment to covenant is re isn't renewed by just hearing a message. It's by living it out. Our vision for worship is renewed when we actually worship. Our vision for prayer is renewed when we actually spend time in prayer. Our vision for service is actually renewed when we use our gifts to serve. Our vision for outreach is renewed when we actually respond to God's call to compassion and a holy life to make a difference to declare and demonstrate his kingdom. Our vision to be financially free is renewed as we give generously. There is no substitute for action. You can't stay in the status quo and let the tension just hold you there. You need to allow it to pull you up and move you out. Pull you up and move you on. Pull you up and take the next step. And Jesus called his disciples to come follow him. He meant what he said. Deny yourself. Take up the cross daily and follow me. Our intellectual commitments must, if they are real, flow through our lives and produce fruit. We can't just sit and say it. And if we're committed to covenant community here at River Life, our lives are gonna demonstrate that commitment. The vision, the values, the goals will be ours. They'll be continually realized in our lives. Every aspect of our covenant commitment needs to be seriously lived out. Open up your River Life news and Turn to the last page of my message notes. And in there, there's some questions that I'd like you to reflect on. And now's probably not gonna be enough time. I want you to take it home with you. I want you to think on some of these questions. Because the last six weeks, we've been journeying together in this idea of being in covenant with God and in relationship with one another. 
And we need to ask ourselves, do I display the qualities or characteristics of a person committed in covenant with God and to one another? Am I prepared to commit to being present? Physically, spiritually, am I prepared to commit to be fully surrendered? where I die to self so that I might respond to where God is leading? Am I prepared to serve in this covenant committed community? Am I prepared to commit to generously and regularly give of finances to the church? Am I living out the vision? Am I living it out? Because when a people commit themselves to a vision, there's something powerful that happens. And right at the bottom there, we would ask you to kind of reflect on the three things we've been talking on and on about. You know, there are a great many people within our church who've committed themselves like this for years. They've been fully surrendered. They've been radically generous. There have been people who have been present and present. Now it's time we all jump in. Now it's time we all commit to that. For some of us, we might need to be challenged to make some changes in response to those questions we've just looked at. You see, the vision of River Life, it's not a, a man-made vision or outworking. It, it's, a, it's an outworking of a biblical mandate. If you're a follower of Christ, you're a part of His church and the expectation is that you're committed to His vision. For some of you, that's going to look like some public declarations. For some of you, you've made a decision to follow after Jesus and you've never been baptized. And now might be the time where you say, you know what? I want to wear the badge of the unashamed. I want to say before everyone else, I'm proud to be a follower of Jesus. In obedience and hunger, I'm going to present myself into those waters of baptism. For others, it might be joining the membership of the church, putting roots down, committing to support the leadership and the vision of the church. We need to ask ourselves, are we potted or are we planted at River Life? Are you potted here? which means your pop plank can kind of lift up and go over wherever. Feels a little bit more comfortable right now. Maybe they're not asking for such a large commitment. Or are your roots deep down? Are you saying, no, I'm, I'm gonna be here. I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna support. I wanna see the vision of God break out through the vision of this church. If that's you at our info desk, we've got membership forms that you can grab and have a look at if you have trouble sleeping at night there's constitution for you to read and <laughs> because there's a ripeness and a readiness in the spirit here at our church at the moment we cannot afford to miss the opportunity to experience God at work in our lives and the life of our community and the challenge is for us to be a faith-filled people in covenant relationship with God and one another, a people committed to our God as He is committed to us, committed to living worshipfully, humble, surrendered lives to God, to listen to the Holy Spirit and make the adjustments necessary to trust and be obedient to what He's asking. And so could you sign that? 
Could you, could you actually say, yeah, I'm committed? We've been talking about it for five weeks. I've been reading about it every day. Everyone I talk to has been talking about it. But the words mean nothing unless we put them into action. I'm not asking you to sign this bit of paper and tear it out and wear it across your chest to say, look what I just did. A bit of paper is for you and God. It's for you to do business with Him and say, God, yeah, I am. I'm committed to the church because I believe that the church is the hope of the world. It's part of your vision. And I'm prepared to commit to be present, surrendered, and generous. And all of this is because of what Jesus has done for us. All of this is because we've been invited into a covenant relationship with God through the sacrifice of Jesus. God making a covenant with all of humanity, inviting all who would listen and respond into this mutually loving and beneficially committed relationship. And under this new covenant, which Jesus sealed with his own blood, everyone's offered salvation by grace through faith. That's the symbols we turn to regularly that remind us of this covenant. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body given for you. In the same way, after they'd eaten, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood shed for you. And the significance of taking communion tonight is remembering that we weren't, this, this covenant cost something very dear. The life of Jesus. But as he was explaining to his disciples, I'm going to be persecuted, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to be raised to life. And we live in that raised life of Jesus. And so when you come and you take of communion tonight, remember the preciousness of the blood and his body given for us. And give thanks in your heart that you're in a covenant relationship. One that he will never break, he is always faithful to. But I'd also ask that you remind yourself that that brings you into relationship with each other. So I'm gonna ask you to do a couple of things. The first is that you would just take time to reflect as you come and you take of the bread and you eat it and you would hold the cup so that in unity we might drink together. A sign of being in covenant with one another and with God. You might give thanks in your heart for all that he's done. This blood covenant, the blood of Jesus. But as you sit and you wait, I would also want you, before you start to take of the communion, would you make it right in your heart with anybody else? Make it right. Because this covenant that runs this way 
God asks us to make it right this way. Would you surrender to forgive so that we could be in covenant with one another as we are with God? Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.